Welcome to Center Ice. It is the 31st of May in the calendar year of 2021. I'm Matthew Maynard, and with, as always, Mac Vincent joins me. We've got an exciting episode of Center Ice today. We will be talking a bit about the playoffs, but the main focus and or the meat and potatoes of this episode, as you will, is on teams that miss the playoffs and interesting teams that miss the playoffs. Now, we're not going to cover every team that missed the playoffs because Quite frankly, some of them really didn't change a whole lot between the start of the season and the end of the season. And some teams like the Buffalo Sabres, for example, we have just beaten to death at this point. You guys know what our thoughts on teams like the Sabres and the Sharks are. So we will give those fans a break today. We'll give them a pass and talk about teams that we may not talk about as much, but they need to be talked about. But before we get into that... We're going to talk a bit about what round one brought, and we've got a very special, legendary Mac Vincent Leafs rant coming up any moment. And I think this rant, regardless of what the result of game seven is tonight between the Habs and the Leafs, what Mac is about to say needs to be said. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Mac and he can share his thoughts with you. I think it's the appropriate way to put this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's just so disappointing. Year after year, it's the same thing, Matt. And it's another series that the Maple Leafs have let slip away and should have been over. They, at the very least, let Montreal get back into the series when, like I said, they should have won the series in six games. I question the leadership around the team. Like, how are you not proud to play for an original six franchise? And literally nothing has changed with this team when the playoffs come around. If you look at this series, after Game 4, they have not been good at all. And Montreal is the worst team in the playoffs, has evened up this series in the process. And the most frustrating and telling sign for fans, telling them that they should be nervous, is that in Game 6, you I understand you're playing in front of a crowd for the first time in a while and you're on the road. But the way they came out was unacceptable. They basically did nothing for two periods. Jack Campbell kept them in the game. Montreal was carrying the play. And then finally you start playing, oh, there's a game going on. We better start playing well in the third period. And then you play well 10 minutes into overtime. But guess what? You turn the puck over and there's a bad bounce that leads to the game winning goal. It's it's just a joke. I mean, how are people supposed to believe that anything will be different this time around? They haven't given us any reason to believe. And I think the most concerning thing for a Leaf fan right now is where are Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? They have not been nearly good enough. Now, the one thing I will say before I wrap this up, and I don't want to sound too angry or frustrated, I just want to get my point across, is that there will be 550 healthcare workers in attendance for Game 7 after a little bit of pushback from the government and the Maple Leafs organization. So that's great. But listen... If those healthcare workers being there don't inspire this team to get their heads out of their you-know-whats for Game 7, nothing will. Well, to add on to what you said, Mac, I don't know if we're going to see that from the Leafs. I just have a bad feeling about tonight's Game 7, regardless of whether there are going to be fans in the building. It's just something about this Leafs team does not invoke confidence. And even if they win tonight's game, I don't feel very confident with them playing the Jets. And even if they got to the conference finals at this point, you really think they're going to beat a team like Colorado or the Knights or the Hurricanes or the Lightning, so on and so forth? I don't see it. I just don't. This Leafs team, you and I, the frustrating thing, you and I have said it 
many, many times before, Mac. We know how good this Leafs team can be. We saw it during the regular season. They were an incredible two-way team. They could kill you on their defense, and then guys like Marner and Matthew could go score their hearts out. Heck, Matthews has won the Richard Trophy, yet he hasn't done anything in these playoffs. He needs to step up. Marner needs to step up. This whole team needs to step up. They they need Tavares or Keefe to come into the room tonight and say, look, we're better than this. We should have beaten them a few nights ago. We didn't. Let's go out there, play a really strong game, and move on. But what I see with this Leafs team, Mac, is just where's the leadership? And I, I like John Tavares a lot, but this is where your captain, to me, really makes his money. He needs to go into that locker room, injured or not, and motivate his t- his team. Same with Sheldon Keith. They need to remind this team that playoffs or not, we know what we need to do to win. We need to step it up, and we need to kick Montreal to the curb. And I'll tell you this, Matt, before we move on to more uh, exciting stuff. If the Leafs lose tonight, heads are going to roll. I, I don't know whose heads are going to roll. I don't think it's going to be Sheldon Keith, but I feel as though some heads are going to roll. And we're going, we could see some bigger moves from the Leafs this offseason, potentially, because this is absolutely unacceptable from a team that has built their core around four key guys spent $40 million on those guys alone and can't get past the first round potentially against a team that is lower in the standings overall than some of the teams you and I are about to talk about. It's a disgrace and it's a joke. If you're a Leafs fan, I don't blame Leafs fans at all for being upset. Last year was one thing and losing against a good Boston team is another thing, but losing against the Habs, a team that shouldn't be even be in the playoffs. That's another thing altogether. Yeah. It's just, I mean, there's, you just put it perfectly, Matt. It's just so disappointing. And, and it's it doesn't seem to be changing. It doesn't matter what group they bring in. It doesn't matter what changes they make. There's something about this team that does not step up when they need to close out series, when they need to play their best. And that says a lot about kind of how they feel about themselves. And, and I mean, there's not much else for us to say at this point. There's a lot of Leaf fans out there that are really frustrated. I know myself last year, I was as frustrated as, as, as I have ever been as somebody who has followed this team for years. And if they lose game seven, or even frankly, if they barely win, I'll still be frustrated. And I think I'm, I'm probably done with this team. It's just, it's too much. It's too much of a burden. And the fact that nothing has changed in God knows how many years since they won in 67, it's just embarrassing. Oh, it, the Leafs are an absolute embarrassment. They were up three to one. They had all the momentum. You and I both gave them a pass for game one with the Tavares injury. It's hard to refocus on the game when your captain gets injured like that. He gets stretched off. No one knows what's going on with him. Their minds were elsewhere. But after that, there was no excuse. So, okay, let's let's get to the round one recap, shall we? Yep, so we already talked about Habs versus Leafs. Our thoughts are well known on that one. But let's get into some other series, Mac. Uh, Boston versus Washington. This is one you and I both got right. We both said Boston would beat the Washington Capitals. And Boston play, now it was a pretty close series, but what I wrote on my notes here, Mac, I think I think this is the right way to put it. Boston suffocated the Caps to win in five. The Cap- Whenever the Capitals tried to get something going, the Bruins would just shut them down, or Tuka Rask would make an incredible save, and then Boston, with their super line, 
with Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand would go and score. Pasternak's had a really good playoff so far, and I know the second round has started, but right now he's leading the team with nine points. He's looking really good. He's looking as good as he ever has. The scoring depth hasn't been a problem for the Bruins, and I'll admit, Mac, I underestimated the Bruins coming into the playoffs like I usually do. I don't know why I haven't learned that by now, not to underestimate them, but I keep doing it, and uh, they keep winning. That's the Bruins, just like any other team from Boston, Mac. They keep finding a a way to win, and they had a great series against the Caps. Yeah, I thought they really took over that series. I, I believe it was game three that went into overtime, and you could just sense the tide was turning. And Boston just took over. They dominated that over time and they did not look back the rest of the series. And the Capitals, look, the Capitals are an old team. I don't think they're as well coached as Boston. And the biggest thing Boston did, obviously you had great goaltending from Tuka Rask, who continues to be underrated, by the way. But also the way they played on the penalty kill, which basically forced the Capitals to... Pass out other where other places besides Stovechkin, right? Well, well, here's the thing: they didn't. They continued to do it, and all Boston did was laugh and block pretty much every shot attempt from Ovechkin because that's all they were trying to on the power play. It was quite something. So that was that was big for Bruce Cassidy and the Bruins. But look, they, they've carried some momentum going into the second round, and they look really dangerous right now. I mean, you want to talk about a team that got hot at the right time. They made some key acquisitions at the deadline. That is the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. When we'll get into the... Boston Bruins and Islanders series in a little bit but from what I saw last night if it wasn't so Sorokin we would have seen two blowouts last night I'll leave it at that because it was completely one-sided for the Boston Bruins in that game let's move on to the next series Mac and uh, I'll admit I try to be a bit more neutral on this show Mac but seeing the Penguins lose the way they did uh, gives me a little bit of joy in this world and uh, the, the, what I wrote, I wrote a line that some, in my opinion, summed up each series on my notes, Mac. And I wrote, Jari lets down the Penguins, among other things, of course. But would you say that that is one of the key reasons why they lost this series? Because I didn't get a chance to watch too much of this Penguins Islanders series. But what I did, Tristan Jari was just not good. He was making brutal plays, especially that one in, uh, was it game five or game six, where he turned it over in overtime. Oh, yeah, that was rough. I'm pretty sure it was game five. He just passed it right to the Islanders player. Like, (laughs) I think Jari certainly deserves a good share of the blame for this. But you and I have said it for a while on this show. The Penguins are not the team they were five years ago when they lost when they won the Stanley Cup. They are getting older. They are changing the guard is the way I'd like to put it. And Crosby and Malkin aren't the players they used to be. Don't get me wrong. Crosby is still good, but the Penguins just got suffocated. Once again, uh, I like that word suffocated by the Islanders. Barry Trotz, he knows exactly how to play a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know a lot of people had the Penguins over the Islanders, but the reason I gave them the edge is just the Islanders with Barry Trotz are so good at shutting down teams. Their defense is incredible. Sorokin is still playing out of his mind. And once the Islanders get the offense going, which they did in round one against the Penguins, they are a very hard team to stop. So 
I uh, no regrets taking the Islanders in that series. The Penguins uh, certainly will have to do some soul searching this offseason, Matt, because they, they need to decide what they want to do. I think they should, they don't need a rebuild. I think they should go for a, a year, maybe two seasons to retool if they really want to continue to compete with Crosby and Malkin. Because if, if they continue down the path they're on, they're just going to end up in mediocrity, is how I see the Penguins going. They, they need to figure out what to do. The goaltending certainly is something the Penguins are going to be talking about this offseason. Lots of questions with the Penguins after another disappointing series for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, you mentioned the goaltending. Obviously, Tristan Jari was not good at all. You know, he just did not inspire any confidence from that group. And for a second straight season, I saw a lot of frustration from the Penguins as they lost to Montreal last year and they lost to the Islanders this year. Look, I think with better goaltending, they would have been in the series, but I still don't think they would have won the series because in the playoffs, defense is what matters the most. And obviously the Islanders got enough offense, but I feel like the longer this series went, the more it favored the Islanders. And I think, look, I, th- I think they've got some great things going there in Pittsburgh. You've got a guy like John Marino, obviously Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang. You have some really nice pieces, but the rest of the team, like a guy like Jason Zucker, he's not good enough. You need goaltending. Like that is one thing you absolutely need because you did not get any of it from Tristan Jari this year. And while he played fairly well in the regular season, obviously those stats were kind of, I would call them sheltered stats because the Penguins had such a great regular season and Jari was not talked about as a guy that wasn't really that great all along. And obviously you never wish that on anybody, but listen, if if you want to win in the playoffs, you need good goaltending. You need goaltending that can steal you a game every now and then. And they got the opposite of that. I think that sums up perfectly, Matt. Now, we may sound like a bit of a broken record here because we're going to move on to the Tampa and Florida series. And that's another series where I think the goaltending, among other things, really let the Panthers down. Uh, Prime example, Mac, uh, to sum up this series in the goaltending woes for the Florida Panthers, your $10 million goaltender wasn't even dressed for a couple games. If that tells you the situation in Florida, they were competing with Tampa, not all the time. There were times where Tampa was just dominate over them. But once again, that comes into your goaltending. As you said, with the Penguin series, there needs to be a time where your goalie can come in in the playoffs and steal a game for you. And the goaltending and the offense, in my opinion, really let down the Florida Panthers in this round one. Yeah, no, they they battled hard and I'll give them credit. You know, they, they fought the Lightning until the end. But look, the Lightning are the better team. They're the deeper team. There's a reason they won the Stanley Cup last year. They've got forward depth. They have elite defense, elite goaltending. And ultimately, that's what made the difference. For me, the Panthers did not have enough forward depth. You wonder if maybe Spencer Knight should have played earlier on in the series because they didn't get a whole lot from Dreger or Bobrovsky. And also, I just think their defense... It wasn't quite good enough. And I Tampa Bay really carved out their defense apart from that first pairing with uh, Mackenzie Weger on it. Yeah, Tampa just showed us what, well, reminded us is the better word, why they were the Stanley Cup champions last year. They're still a threat to win it this year. Carolina-Tampa is going to be an epic series. We saw that yesterday in game one. And Florida, they're on the right track. I will say that, Mac, and I'm sure you would agree with me on that. They have the potential to continue this run they were on during the regular season next season when they're back in the Atlantic. It'll certainly be tougher for them, but if they can figure out that goaltending situation, if they can decide we're going to run 
run with Knight and Drieger for the uh, one-two pairing or Knight and Bobrovsky or something like that. They can figure out what their goaltending is going to be at a little more depth on the forward core and the defensive core. This, this Florida team certainly shouldn't be underrated heading into next year. Yeah, so let, let's just wrap on the round one recap here. I mean, obviously, Minnesota played Vegas tough, but ultimately the better team won. If you look at the Nashville-Carolina series, I thought Nashville fought pretty hard in that series, but obviously there was a talent issue, especially forward-wise, and Carolina ended up winning that. And the other series that we have to talk about before we move on here is the Jets and how physical they were with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And yeah, sure, they got away with probably a lot of borderline penalties that were not called, but... They had success. They frustrated both of them. And obviously the secondary scoring in Edmonton is just non-existent. So no. And thinking back to one of our episodes in March, Mac, I said the Oilers were pretenders and I was right. I saw through their charade, Mac. I knew that without scoring depth, we would see a repeat of what we saw in the bubble last year. And I was right. Winnipeg, As you said, Winnipeg played McDavid and Dreisaitl perfectly. They shut them down. And I think what the Jets have done is have given other teams that will play the Oilers in the playoffs a blueprint on how to beat them in the playoffs, which is play McDavid and Dreisaitl physically with good goaltending. If you can do that, you can beat the Oilers. If you're Ken Holland, the only thing you need to do this offseason is start moving some pieces to get depth. You and I said that during the last offseason. We said it again during this season. We'll see if the Oilers finally get the message. Uh, I want to avoid going into a rant because even though my loyalties lie more with the Senators <laughs> and the Flames, uh, the Oilers are an easy team to rant on and for good reason. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let, let's uh, talk about the matchups in round two, Matt. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about the uh, two we saw last night, Matt, because those are the two that we have a little more recent data on. First one, Colorado and Vegas. Now, this one we expected to be a whole lot closer. It was uh, pretty darn one-sided last night, to say the least. But you can't blame Leonard for that. Every goal you and I saw last night, with the exception of maybe one or two, Leonard had no chance on absolutely no chance on that the avalanche in my opinion and i'm sure you you concur with me here mac are the team to beat they just have gotten so much better since last year they've improved their depth their defense is out of this world we know how good their offense is and a healthy philip grubauer is certainly helping their case to be the team to beat if vegas wants to get back in this series they need to really pick up everything they everything needs to be perfect <laughs> well after losing 7-1 i think there's no other way to put it they need a rebounding game they need a game they need to come out in game two tomorrow night mac and they need to i've said it a lot this episode suffocate the avalanche they need to play strong physical defense give mckinnon and Ranton and all these other guys no room to move whatsoever we know this vegas team can score but can they get some scoring depth from their bottom six, can they get some good defensive plays from their defensive core? This remains to be seen. And if they can't do that, the Avalanche could beat them in five or five games. I said originally Avalanche in seven, but if Vegas doesn't turn it around quick here, Mac, this could be a quick series. Yeah, I mean, 
I just, like you said, it was such a crazy start to the game because I think anybody would have expected and reasonably expected that Colorado was going to have some rust. You know, they swept St. Louis, no contest in that first round. They dominated every single game. The only reason it was close in any game was the goaltending from Jordan Bennington. And now you come into a series against a very good Vegas team that played you very tough during the regular season, and you just absolutely destroy them in that first game like leave no doubt I mean this is a team that wants to win this year they have the attitude you mentioned how much they've improved especially the acquisitions of guys like Devin Tays you know Brandon Saad all these acquisitions go a long way and defensively under Jared Bednar they have improved so much as well and it is noticeable not only are they good offensively and they have the stars like Nathan McKinnon but defensively they're hard to play against. And Philip Grubauer is healthy this year. And when he's healthy, he's very good. Now, I just want to make a point here. And I don't know if you agree with me. You're very welcome to have a different opinion. But I think Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the league. Now, why is that? Is he the most dynamic or most skilled? Maybe not. But to me, the best players show up in the playoffs. He is fourth all-time in playoff points per game at 1.467, trailing only... Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Barry Peterson. That's pretty good company. But here's the other thing with McKinnon that separates him from other star players or superstar players, if you will. He has done the work. He has improved his two-way game and he can handle the physical abuse. I mean, you look at how strong he is now. You know, somebody tries to hit him, he'll just hit them back because that's how strong he is. And he has the amazing speed, skill, vision. He's the total package. I I just think he has been so good early on in the playoffs. And really every time the Stanley Cup playoffs roll around, he is so impressive out there. McKinnon is so good, and he's certainly making a strong case for the best player in the league. I think McDavid certainly overshadows a lot of what he does, especially this year with the ridiculous numbers that McDavid was able to put up in the North Division. If it was a normal year, I think McKinnon would have been getting a lot more attention than he did. But uh, to wrap up on this series, Mac, Vegas is certainly in tough. I, I hope it's a closer series for entertainment value, but... I got to take the Avs in this one, Mac. The Avs are the team to beat, in my opinion. They, If someone can beat the Avalanche, Mac, I think that they will be the Stanley Cup champions because they are just that good. Yeah, and it's almost an impossible task for Vegas because I really believe if you want to beat this Avalanche team this year, you have to play a perfect game from start to finish. You have to start on time. You have to play a full 60-minute game. You have to avoid being in the penalty box. You need elite goaltending from whoever is in the net. And that's that's a really hard ask, especially from a team that just came off an exhausting seven-game series against a defensive team that really grinds you down like the Minnesota Wild. I just... I think Colorado is just going to be all over them. I admittedly thought this was going to be closer, but after last night, I I don't think so. I'm going to say Colorado in five. I concur. Uh, Colorado in five. And of course, things could change, but uh, I will take Colorado on five with you on that one. Colorado has just shown how good they are. And they are just like the Bruins, Mac. They are getting hot at the right time. And it's going to be hard pressed for any team to stop them. So let's move on to that aforementioned Bruins team, the Islanders and the Bruins. And after game one, now I originally had the Islanders winning this series, Mac. And just 
for standing by my picks. I will stay with the Islanders, but it certainly is one I uh, wish I was second guessing a little more because the Bruins, as I mentioned earlier, really took it to the Islanders in game one, Mac. And Sorokin is what kept them in that game. If it wasn't for him, we would have seen another blowout. Uh, I still have some faith in the Islanders, Mac. Uh, We know how good Barry Trotz can get those guys to play. But just like the Vegas Golden Knights, Mac, they need to play a perfect game. They need to play the full 60 minutes. They need to shut down the super line in Boston. And they need to continue to have good goaltending from Sorokin, which I don't think is going to be the issue. The issue is going to be, can you match physicality with the Bruins? Can you match their scoring depth? Can can you get goals from other guys besides your top line? And can you shut down the super line? And I don't know if the Islanders quite have the depth to do it this year, Mac. What do you think? Yeah, it's a tough ask, especially for the Islanders who played a Penguins team that maybe they thought was as good as Boston, but I think they realized pretty quick is is not even close. And, And we mentioned Boston got hot at the right time. They just look so good right now. But yeah, I think the biggest issue for the New York Islanders here is they really have one extremely good defensive pairing in Adam Pellock and Ryan Pollock. But then after that, you know, they have some okay defenders like Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield, but it really, really starts to decline. Like then you have Andy Green, who is, I, I don't even know how old Andy Green is and God love him, but he's not the same player he used to be. And to me, it's just, I don't think they have enough. And the other issue is you don't only have to shut down that top line. Now you have Taylor Hall, playing well with David Krejci and Craig Smith or whoever else they choose to put on that second line. And now that line is a threat as well. But not only that, Boston is playing very good defense right now. I mentioned how well they played against Washington, especially against Ovechkin on the power play, which was, again, hilarious to watch. But yeah, I just think it's going to be really tough for the Islanders to figure this one out because I just think they don't match up well against Boston who elevates their game at the right time. They play a complete game. They grind you out. They hit you a lot. They're good defensively. They've got great goaltending and obviously they have the star power up front. Absolutely. So what is your prediction here, Mac? I think the Islanders can definitely take a game or two, but at the same time, I'm going to stick with Boston in six. I'm tempted to change my pick, but at the same time, I like to stand by my picks. So I will stay Islanders in seven, but knowing that Boston has a very good chance of taking this series. So let's move on to the other Eastern series. And this one has been very exciting. This one's lived up to the building building so far, Mac. Carolina and Tampa Bay. This one was incredible yesterday. I think we're going to see a very close series the whole way through with this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, that first game was so great because not only do you have a full capacity crowd at PNC Arena, but also I believe... Amelie Arena will be very close to, if not full capacity, for when they get back there in the series. And listen, Carolina is a very, very, very good team. There's a reason they won the division, but they're going to have trouble matching up, let's say, Alex Nedeljkovic against Andre Vasilevsky. I think the forward depth of Tampa Bay is much better, even though the Carolina Hurricanes have a lot of good forwards. The difference in the first game, and it wasn't much, was that one shot that went in from Barkley Goodrow on Alex Nedeljkovic that he should have saved. And it I'm not blaming the game on the goaltender. You know, maybe they could have checked him tighter. But in my opinion, if he has that save, we're probably heading into overtime. And then who knows what happens. So they're certainly going to be challenged here. 
but uh, I didn't like the way they finished the series against Nashville. Having said that, I thought they played very well in game one. The biggest challenge is staying out of the penalty box. And hopefully Nadelkovic can make a few more saves and not let in those soft goals like he did in that first game. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Carolina Hurricanes are certainly going to give Tampa all they've got. Once again, it comes back into Tampa won the Stanley Cup last year and they won it for a reason, Mac. And what we saw last night was just how much more depth Tampa has over this Hurricanes team. The Hurricanes are getting there. They absolutely are. Tampa is just playing so good right now. And I, I do think Carolina's got a shot at this series. Don't get me wrong. I think they can absolutely shut down the scoring threats on Tampa Bay. They've got some depth. They've got the goaltending. They can absolutely win this series. But between the two, I think Tampa just has a little bit more oomph to offer. So I, I've got them in six here. Yeah, that, that's my pick as well. I just think... Like you said, I think the defense is on paper very even, and Carolina and Tampa Bay have incredibly good defenses. But if you look at all four lines and compare, to me, it's absolutely in Tampa Bay's favor. And that's not to say that what the Hurricanes have isn't very good because it's well above league average, but the lines one through four for Tampa Bay are borderline ridiculous. And then you've got Vasilevsky and Nett, who was amazing in game one. It's going to be really tough for the Hurricanes to win, but... Hey, they were in the game. They only lost by one goal. I don't think they have any reason to hang their heads going into game two. No, and this is a series that could absolutely go either way. I think one thing that did sour both of our opinions on the Hurricanes, I'll mention this quickly, is how they played against the Predators. And and this isn't trying to take away from what the Predators were able to do in round one because they did play well. They played better than you and I expected. But you and I both thought Carolina would have easily handled them with the depth they had and the players they had. They were taking a six. They barely won game six. And once again, it's not taking away from Nashville because Nashville played well. The Hurricanes didn't seem to rise to the challenge at times. And that was noticeable for me. So between the two teams, uh, I will stick with the Bolts. And the final series, Mac, isn't quite set in stone yet. Oh, goody. Oh, this is my favorite. I can't wait to talk about this. So (laughs) what we're going to do here, Mac, is we'll do a brief... We'll do two previews in one, essentially. It'll be a brief preview. So let's first go with a Toronto victory. Let's brighten your hopes, Mac. Toronto (laughs) win tonight. Toronto Winnipeg round two. What do you see in this series if it happens? Well, I mean, it might surprise a lot of people, but Winnipeg actually played Toronto very well this year. Obviously, they've got one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best. I'm sure it's debatable between him and Vasilevsky. But Connor Hellbuck looks really good early on. Obviously, the the Oilers are not much compared to a team like the Maple Leafs. Even Montreal is better. They have more depth. But Hellbuck looks really good. And the recipe for the Jets in round one was we're going to be extremely physical. And they were. And yeah, they got away with some penalties that probably should have been called. But I thought they did a terrific job of just playing good defensive hockey against the Oilers. And they frustrated McDavid, frustrated Dreisaitl. And they knew, trust me, they knew that there wasn't a whole lot of offense coming from other sources. So they knew that it, it was inevitable that those guys were going to score, but they did their best job to just frustrate them and eliminate them off the score sheet as much as possible. So I think they'll they'll use a similar template against a team like Toronto or Montreal. Obviously, it's a little more of a challenge, but look for them to be very physical, 
Uh, try not to take a lot of penalties and obviously have Connor Hellbuck back there when things go wrong. So I underestimated them, I'll admit, but after the way they played and if the officials allow them to play that way without calling penalties, yes, I said that. It's a recipe for success. I mean, that is how you win in the playoffs. I just, I don't know if it's going to be enough in round two. I think if they play Montreal, they will win. If they play Toronto, I'm not sure, but nobody knows what Toronto is going to do. It, nobody. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'll make some predictions here, Mac, just to go out on a limb. Uh, I'll say, just to be a troublemaker here, Mac, I'll say Winnipeg, Toronto, Winnipeg in seven, just because. Look, I don't have any confidence in this Leafs team. I said it off the top after your rant. And even if they win tonight, even if they win convincingly, Mac, I just don't know. There's so much unknown with uh, too many unknowns with this Leafs team. Now, of course, if the Leafs actually show them play, that's a different story. But I just don't have confidence that they will. And I don't want to get back into another Leafs rant because you and I could easily get back into another one. But I, I want to be a bit of a disturber here, Mac. So I'm going to say Winnipeg in seven. And Winnipeg in five if they play Montreal. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, there's every reason to believe that could happen. Obviously, you're you're healthy now. Ehlers is back. Kyle Connor's playing Wheeler's really well. Game. Blake Wheeler looks to be much better. Yeah, this this Jets team is so good, man. And they're hitting their stride at the right time. You and I both underrated them. I think a lot of people did going into the playoffs. And why wouldn't we? They were losers of nine to ten. And yeah, yeah, it's crazy how much things have turned around. And it just goes to show you with one good round, you can really inspire confidence in your team and change the mood very quickly. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add today, Mac? Yeah, I think we're actually going to split this into two episodes. The first episode is going to be our round one recap and preview. And the second episode is going to be our commentary on those four teams we mentioned and we hope you enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun making it. We hope the audio quality sounds a whole lot better because I do have a new audio setup and Matt is working on his as well. So thanks again for listening. You know where to find us. We're on every podcast platform. Look for the white, red, and blue logo. Take care. Enjoy the games. Stay safe, guys.